Welcome to Drilling Deep. I am your host, John Kingston, the editor-at-large at FreightWaves. Drilling is needed to get oil out of the ground, and oil is needed to make diesel, and diesel is needed to make your truck go. So we call the program Drilling Deep. But people need to get paid, too, and that is why our guest today is Robin Gregg. She's the CEO of RoadSync. It is a company that is aimed exclusively at payments in the trucking field. She's going to be with us in a few minutes to talk about what her company is doing to help facilitate payments for truckers who are out on the road and in other places. Let's talk about oil, though. If you bought a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil back on the settlement on the first trading day of 22, that would have been January 2nd, and you sold it at a certain point this past Monday, you would have netted exactly $0 and 0 cents in profit. That is because on Monday, at a few points in the morning, the price of WTI was below $76.08 per barrel. That number is where WTI settled on January 2nd. Kind of hard to believe after what we've been through this year. Remember that WTI settled above $120 per barrel for a few days in June. That was still less than the all-time high of about $147 set back in July 2008. But it was at that time of year back in June that all the talk about higher oil and gasoline prices and diesel prices seemed to be all-consuming. Was there another issue in the country at then? Didn't seem like it. So what happened if on January 2nd, you bought a contract for ultra-low sulfur diesel at the settlement? You would have paid a little over $2.35 per gallon. And what if you sold it last Monday, the same day that WTI hit a number where it had erased all the gains for the year? What would have happened in that sale of diesel if you sold it at Monday's settlement is that you would have made about 85 cents per gallon. And what all that means is that, as we've talked about here many times on Drilling Deep, this has been the year of the distillate molecule. Diesel is a distillate. Jet fuel is a distillate. Heating oil is a distillate. When we talk about distillates, but for now, we're going to exclude jet fuel because that is its really its own market, though it will never be too far away from diesel because, as I said, they're all distillates. The fact that you could still make money at the end of November selling diesel from January when crude oil would have only had you break even really says it all about diesel prices this year. Why did this relationship between crude and diesel completely break down in 2022? Why are spreads between the two way beyond where they have been historically? No doubt about it that the state of global refining, of the, of the global refining industry, has had a lot to do with it. Refiners in the West, including several in the U.S., threw in the towel during the pandemic or maybe even a little before it after years of weak margins. They're probably wishing now they stuck around since the margins this year are so fantastic. But of course, that's circular logic because one of the reasons were more, were the margins were so good was because some of them did disappear. But the problem is that while they were closing, new refineries that had been under construction or under planning on the drawing board elsewhere in the world all got put on hold because of the pandemic. So capacity closed, but new capacity didn't come online. That is starting to reverse itself, but that does take time. The other reason for that breakdown and that spread is what I've talked about several times here, and it doesn't get enough publicity or enough attention, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, <clears throat> and that's IMO 2020. IMO 2020 is the rule that went into effect in 2020, requiring significantly cleaner marine fuel around the world. One of the ways to get there is to burn a new blend of fuel called very low sulfur fuel oil, also known as VLSFO, 
But to make VLSFO, you use a lot of distillate molecules that you wouldn't have done in the past to make marine fuels. And those distillate molecules otherwise would have gone into making diesel. So IMO 2020 went into effect in, in early 2020, but the market was so full of excess distillate molecules at that time because of the pandemic that it really took until this year to have its impact. Refining professionals and traders went into 2020 anticipating this big surge in diesel prices as a result of IMO 2020. Instead, we got the pandemic. But that anticipation from early 2020 finally came to fruition this year. As some of the new refining capacity starts to come online next year and the years to come, I really want to watch that crude to diesel spread. Remember, it isn't some esoteric economist tool. You end up paying it at the pump, maybe not penny for penny, but overall you pay at the pump. I tend to be in the school of thought that the spread is going to be permanently elevated because of IMO 2020. If so, that will impact what you're going to pay. It just, it just isn't a lot of inside baseball. Time to move on now on Drilling Deep, as we always do after my little introductory monologue. There is always so much focus on this in this business on trying to get paid faster. It spurred the whole factoring industry's creation, but that is really kind of the visible part. What you really don't see are the machinations that go on behind the scenes to get providers of goods and services paid quickly. RoadSync is a payment company that specializes in trucking, transportation, and logistics. It's their entire focus. And we're happy to have with us today their CEO, Robin Gregg. She is, uh, she's been with the, she's with the CEO of the Atlanta-based company. And Robin is going to provide us with a great interview, drawing on her tremendous knowledge and intelligence that you would find really with any graduate of Washington and Lee University. Robin, so as a fellow WNL alumnus, welcome to Drilling Deep. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. So, so why don't you first talk? I don't know whether to start talking first about what RoadSync does or what payments do. You know, payments seem so simple, but really it goes on, as I said, it goes on behind the scenes. I think it can be a little difficult for people to understand how it works. Let me just ask you one basic question. You've got a provider of a good or service, and you've got somebody who purchases that good or service. Which one of those sides is your customer? Uh, actually, in some ways, both. Uh, the main customer of our service today are people or vendors that are providing services to the truckers who are completing their loads. So if you think about it, every single truckload is effectively a business trip. And unlike the business trips we go on, truckers have to pay for all sorts of strange things like having their vehicles unloaded, uh, having their vehicles washed, repaired, and it's all a specialized ecosystem of vendors that uniquely support heavy-duty trucking. And those folks need to get paid by a trucker. And so the problem that we solve is uh, historically those, those payments were really clunky and cumbersome. Uh, the trucker would have to wait around and get advanced funds from their employer, or they would have to um, use a fleet check, and those checks would have to be authorized to be able to be deposited. And it just really caused a lot of inefficiency and loss for both the trucker in terms of his time and also the vendor himself who was having to figure out how to take these interesting payments from truckers. So the first product we brought to market was really like a, a sort of a cash register, a point of sale system for these vendors to real-time invoice and take payments from these truckers. And so we um, accept all sorts of things, uh, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, as well as the major fuel card products from ComData and EFS and their fleet check products. Um, and it just makes it very easy to have a customized solution 
to get paid faster. And the trucker also benefits because he can pay all sorts of different ways. So whatever he has on hand, our platform probably will facilitate acceptance. We give him a digital receipt. That digital receipt can be sent back on to his employer and it's fast. Um, and I think that's one of the nice things. Instead of having to wait around, uh, the trucker can can go on about his day and, and make sure that he can pay for things. Yeah, I, I'm still, this is going to sound like a crazy analogy that I'm sure you never thought of, but I still remember, I, actually, I was homesick the day I was reading the Wall Street Journal like 25 years ago and reading about Adobe's announcement of PDF. And PDF could take something from Word, it could take something from all sorts of different softwares and make it into one kind of standard file, which we still use, of course, is very much the way we, we operate today. It sounds to me like you do kind of the same thing. You take all sorts of different payments and you standardize it into one kind of channel that can ensure that the vendor gets paid no matter which way the trucker or what or or any kind of a customer wants to pay with. That's correct. No, that's actually, actually a good analogy. So, I mean, it's, it's easier. I mean, the more ways you have to accept payment, the easier it is to get paid, right? So I think that's just one of the things that we offer to the merchants that use our platform and um, to have it in a standard way so they can easily reconcile it, easily get the funds deposited in their bank. Um, it's, it's just, it is a huge time savings uh, for them. And so I think that's really part of, of the value that we're providing. Um, but the reason I also said that our customers on, on both ends is that you know we allow drivers to store their favorite payment types. We have a digital wallet that we re- recently announced um, we also have a platform that allows uh, the trucker's employers to easily advance funds to drivers via text message. Um, so we actually provide solutions on the other side of that transaction as well, because we think there's magic in making both sides of it easier and automated. Um, and and that, that's a little bit of where the business is starting to, to go in terms of expanding the, the use cases and the people that can, uh, can have their payments supported by us. Now, I do want to come back to the digital wallet in a minute, but let, let's talk about the state of your industry. I mean, you're a relatively new company. You are uh, you're a VC-backed company. Uh, from we, we Freightways had actually written a story a while back when you raised $30 million, And in that story, it said that that meant you had raised a total of $38.5 million, And I consider that to be really impressive that the multiple of what you raised originally you know, was almost four times that you were able to pull that much more uh, money into it. So what are the investors seeing in this and what have you been able to do as a result of having that much more funding? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really funny. I raised our first raise around a capital in late 2017. And I would say the appetite to rate, to invest in logistics and outside of New York and Silicon Valley have radically changed in that time period. And so I think we really benefited from the fact that Logistics is hot. And then on top of it, uh, fintech is really hot. And we sit at the intersection of both of those things. So I think there's a lot of excitement about vertically specialized um, payment and financial solutions. And, you know, we are in a pretty large industry. It's at, you know, 700 to $800 billion in money are, is being moved in the U.S. transportation industry. And a lot of it is being invoiced in paper or accepted in paper with, you know, checks. And nobody believes that that's how the world's going to work 10 to 20 years from now, right? It doesn't make sense. We don't whip out our checkbooks anymore to pay for our doctor's visits. Um, And so I don't think people believe the trucking industry will be doing this all on paper 10 to 20 years from now. So digitization is going to happen. And so who's going to run it and what what is it going to look like is, I think, really uh, kind of what people are banking on. And that's, that's why they're excited. I mean, there's just such a giant opportunity to provide better payment rails in the space. And so I think that's what's really created the excitement. 
All right, now you are transportation focused, you are logistics focused. I don't know if there are any other payment companies like that out there, but who are the big sort of 800 pound gorillas in payments in general, you know, that might be you might be big in the retail side and have they turned their attention to the supply chain and they're finding you already are there? Yeah, um, not so much. I mean, when we look at, I mean, there's a lot of investment going into logistics related fintech. Um, you know, you regularly see people who are automating factoring solutions, and that's become really hot right now. A lot of money is chasing fuel carts, right? Because Fleet Corps and WEX are the gorillas in the space, and there's a lot of interest in, in that space. Um, you know, we kind of view ourselves as neutral. Uh, we, we work with all existing payment forms, and so I think um, our take on the space is a little bit different in terms of what we're, we're focused on. There's, so there's not a lot there, um, but you see a lot of... Um, we do compete with like general purpose solutions like Square. We have customers that are currently using Square. Square is really going after mainly the consumer market. Um, and so uh, their solutions and the way they extended their product is great if you're a restaurant or a retail shop or a coffee shop or you have consumer facing goods. It's really not contemplating how to work with the oddities of workflow in B2B transactions. Um, so I do think that's why there's so much room to have logistics focused solutions. Um, and I don't necessarily think that we're going to have, th there's still a lot of space for the general purpose platforms to kind of continue in the consumer realm that I don't think those are necessarily going to be the, the competition in our space. I think it's really going to be people who are already in our space, um, serving the space with B2B uh, payment or spend management solutions that kind of start to get into some of the things that we do. Yeah, it's it's hard to hard to imagine calling this a niche, but it does have its unique characteristics, which maybe need a, a niche provider like uh, like RoadSync. But now you have had several announcements recently about new partners in the field of repair and service. Is that coincidence, or have you really prioritized that as a new area for RoadSync? Talk to us about your recent deals and and how long do some of these projects last? Like, when did you decide to go after them, and how long did it take to really put them together? Yeah, I mean, partnerships always take a long time. So, you know, we've been working on this for a few years. But, um, you know, we really looked at what were the types of things that truckers were spending money on. And heavy truck repair, maintenance and towing is a giant spend category. And there's a lot of friction there. Um, there's friction in terms of providing the right provider and having the funds to pay for the, the services. Um, and, you know, we just felt like there was some interesting opportunity in that space. Um, so it is a big chunk of our business. It's not uh, not the majority of our business, but it is an area of focus. And we really wanted to figure out ways to serve more of those providers. And there are some uh, existing platforms that are kind of providing back office solutions or heavy truck repair management solutions. Um, so it made sense for us to integrate. We love Full Bay. They are a fantastic, really innovative partner. They've been in the space um, just a little bit longer than we have. And we're kind of a logical partner for us to partner with to help power their payments. All right. Now, were you able to, to make these expansions because you had raised so much more money, which gives oh, you yeah. to hire a lot more programmers and salespeople? Yeah. So yeah. No, I mean, developing the integrations and, and the API suite to be able to do these things are, is not a, you know, a small task. And so partnerships was a big part of our expansion strategy. I mean, we, we really were planning on expanding in you know, three ways. One, by using those funds to invest in expanding our sales team, by standing up a, a group that worked on partnerships, both 
you know, assigning them and contracting those partnerships as well as actually doing the technical integration. And then also just new product development, which you've seen in things like our, our digital wallet and some other announcements we've made. Now, how can a company like yours, you, you, you talked about the fact that this still is an industry that uses a lot of paper and uh, kind of amazing here in 2022, almost 2023. But how does a company like yours move the needle on getting the industry to move away from that? Or are you just or are you just positioning yourself more to be able to kind of assist that and let the rest of the, the trend go on its own and it'll eventually correct itself? How do you make it make things better like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, there is a lot of tolerance for the old way of doing things and a lot of inertia. So we do have to combat that. Um, but, you know, people are not using paper payments in their consumer lives really anymore. So I, and, and if you think about all the changes that COVID drove in the, in the consumer space, um, you know, people are using mobile payments now more than they ever have. Those things start to bleed into the transportation space. Also, you know, as generation, these are often family owned businesses. There's a generational element to it. So those things get handed down to the next generation within families, the businesses start to think about modernizing. And so I think that there's just sort of a natural evolution um, that helps drive this in in both how people live their consumer lives, as well as the fact that the population is becoming more and more open to modernizing some of the, the their back office solutions. So I, I think it's just natural. Yeah, well, it's not just trucking. Uh, several years ago, I closed out an IRA that was not at a massive amount, but it was still several thousand dollars from a provider of these things that if I mentioned, you would know the name. And uh rolled it over to my larger account and it was done by a paper check that was sent through the mail. I, I could not believe it that that's the way they did it. But that apparently is still pretty standard. And these are companies that you would think would be cutting edge. So anyway, you mentioned, let's go back to digital wallet, what it is and how a trucker uses it and how it helps speed up the payment process. Yeah. So a lot of the the vendors or merchants that uh, use the road sync system um, have repeat customers. And, um, and also some of these customers visit multiple of our merchants across our network. And so by having a digital wallet, having sort of preferred payment credentials stored, they can check out even faster. Um, and that makes it easier for them to kind of get back on the road again and not have to worry about making payment. Um, so it's, it's really convenience. Uh, nobody likes data entry. Everybody is used to being able to easily check out for everything else they have in the e-commerce world. So it's just sort of bringing that to these transportation-related payments. Um, so that's part of the reason that, that we uh, wanted to upgrade and offer that solution to folks. So when you, when you sign somebody up to do a digital wallet, are you signing up a driver? Are you signing up a fleet? Or you signing up a bank or some combination thereof? It's whoever's owning the payer account, so it can be a variety of different things. Um, it's usually uh, it's usually the business owner who signs up for the the payer account. Right. When you look at the size of the total market, the, what's it called? A TAM total available mm -hmm. market. That's, that's the that's the the hot term. Uh, how do you measure it? Do you measure it at like say the the number of fleets in America? the number of companies that provide services to drivers? What's your TAM? How do you define it? Well, I mean, the the primary area of focus for us, at least on our merchant-facing product, has been um, the non-fuel-related expenses in the trucking industry. So sort of the direct cost. Of, so things like repair, towing, maintenance, um, 
truck washes, uh, lumping fees, warehouse late fees, all of those are things that are routinely encountered by truckers as they complete their loads. We think that's somewhere between 80 to 100 billion in spend annually. Um, and then the other thing that we are starting to facilitate as well is you know, payments to smaller interoperators and carriers from their brokers or from larger carriers or from shippers. Um, and that's another, you know, that could probably double the market. So there's, there is a fair amount of spend in these types of things that are going into folks that have payment challenges that are traditionally using a lot of paper and that are needing faster payment solutions and more convenient payment solutions, especially when they're people that they might be doing business with more transactionally. Now, I wrote I wrote the story recently about one of your new maintenance deals, and I was struck by the fact that I guess in your press release or whatever, you specified non-fuel. Why non-fuel? Just from an outsider, it would seem to me that's a huge amount of payment area uh, in the trucking world. Why do you stay away from it? Well, a couple of things. First of all, part of the reason that we have so much of an opportunity in the space that we're in is because the the merchant base is really, really fragmented. Um, There are tens of thousands, if not 100,000 kind of merchants or vendors that actually have to accept payments from truckers. And so that creates a lot of opportunity. That's not as much the case in in fuel, right? Uh, The three major truck stop chains own a very, very large percentage of retail, of sort of trucking fuel purchases in the United States. So it's not as hard to pay these people. They already accept cards. And so people have a lot of options to have a non-paper-based payment for fuel today in the United States, right? You can pick a Fleet Corps product, you can pick a WEX product, you can pick a U.S. Bank product. There's um, lots of the new entrants. A lot of Visa and MasterCards now accepted. And a lot of the, the truck stops actually have their own cards. So um, it's just not as much of a problem. Like I think that uh, there are lots of opportunities for people to have solutions that are non-paper-based there. And so you don't really hear about truckers getting stuck at a, a fueling location because they don't have the right payment instrument. Almost everybody has one of these products or has access to one. Right. You don't bring a lot to the table there. So look, yeah. let me ask, though, where are areas that you bring something to the table that maybe you might want to scale up into? What do you think are the next great opportunities for road sync? Yeah, we think there's a lot of, I kind of referenced this earlier, a lot of opportunity in uh, providing payment solutions and rails to uh, kind of owner operators or smaller trucking companies um, who need solutions, not factoring. I mean, we can even support factoring companies and providing rails, but just it's, you know, people want real-time payments. And so having kind of a more modern payment stack is kind of interesting and, you know, we were able to offer really flexible solutions to folks. I mean, I think our philosophy is to partner with people to integrate into their existing platforms. Um, and I think that that kind of provides us entry into some interesting ways to sort of automate payments in other places. Um, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity in the places we already are. We also are providing more solutions to the merchants that we currently serve. That was why we announced instant payouts. Um, so ways for merchants to get paid even faster. Um, and so those have been sort of the primary areas of focus. Um, there's also some other interesting payment uh, opportunities. Um, we're very keen on, um, we call it payment on delivery. So there's certain uh, kind of last mile related stuff where people are getting paid at the time that the driver delivers something. So for example, restaurants, um, sometimes restaurant distributors have to get paid 
when they get the goods because they don't want to put their restaurants on account. So we're, uh, we have some beta clients in that realm. Um, so there are lots of transportation related payment challenges where paper is prominent. And those are the things that we're chasing. Very good. Boy, we could talk forever. I think next time we'll have the I, I, I'm fascinated by factoring. Next time we'll have you back on Drilling Deep and we can talk about that uh, and, and what kind of services you provide there. But we're going to keep our eye on RoadSync because they're clearly an up-and-coming company. Uh, and our guest today has been Robin Gregg. She is the CEO of RoadSync. Robin, thanks for joining us today on Drilling Deep. Thanks, John. You have been watching Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freightcast family of Freightwaves TV, you can find us. Uh, we drop every Friday at 2.30, and you can see us on demand at all times. And we are on all major podcast platforms. I'm your host, John Kingston, and please join us again. 